Squad Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds. Freak Casino Games make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pad here with you. Wrapping up the week, giving you a special edition as we go into a long weekend here, J-Pat. Of course, we're going to talk hockey. That's what we do on this show. But we got a very special guest today, J-Pat. I hope you wore your best jacket, suit jacket <laughs> to, the, to the crushed, affair. Yes, a little exactly. crushed velvet. Yeah, exactly. Because we got Juggy. Jugpreet Bajwa is going to join us, uh, have a little conversation with him about his experiences as the Canucks anthem singer and also just being visually impaired and being probably one of the biggest hockey fans you will ever meet. You'll find that out a little bit later on here on Rinkwide. But let's get to a little bit of news because we got a little morsel today, J-Pat, as Canucks goaltender or Canucks prospect goaltender Archer Seelofs is doing big things over at the World Hockey Championships. Latvia edges Slovakia or Slovenia, excuse me. He gets 26 saves in the win. He is becoming one of the big stories in this tournament as Latvia, well, they try to get themselves into the quarterfinals. He really has. Uh, Not just a hometown hero because he's from Riga, which is where that pool of the tournaments being played, but obviously the broader country as a whole, latching on to Arthur Silovs. And we've sort of been charting his progress here as the tournament's gone along. Last Friday was the backup to start against Canada. And five minutes into the game, Latvia down two zip. Coach makes the goaltending change. And Arthur Silovs has played every minute for Latvia since then. He didn't get a decision in that game because Latvia ended up losing 6 nothing, and they were down 2 nothing when he came into the game. So wasn't on the hook for the loss. But since then, he has rattled off three victories in the four starts that he has made, and Latvia is becoming a story. They have, they're sitting fourth in Group B, and we're getting there eventually in this never-ending uh, preliminary round, but it does end on Tuesday. They've got two games to go, Kazakhstan tomorrow, and I do wonder if he'll play back-to-back. Uh, they had to have this one over Slovenia, and so they went with their man, and it turned out to be another arty party you know, not just the 26 saves, but it's how they broke down. It was five in the first period. I think he faced 10 shots in the second, gave up two goals there. And then Slovenia, pushing for the equalizer, had 13 shots in the third period. And I watched most of the third period. They were pressing. They had chances. And Artur Silov was like, he just looks really confident and comfortable in there. And again, the sort of weight of the country on his shoulders. And so this is just, it's great news. Like it really is the opportunity that he's getting. I think he went into that probably hoping for a start somewhere along the line, and now he's the guy. And if they get to elimination stage, I would think that uh, absolutely he'll get the start. So they've got Kazakhstan on Saturday. They finish up the preliminary round against Switzerland. I think that game's on Tuesday. And the Swiss have had a pretty decent run here at the tournament. That one won't be easy. But remember, too, like Latvia scored one goal in its first two games. That's asking a lot of your goaltending to hold down the fort and keep you in these games. So they've started to find some offense, and they're getting this goaltending now. And Artur Silov's you know, 2.42 goals against average so far, 905 save percentage. And look, 905 made a jump, not jump off the page at you. But in that tournament where the discrepancy between the really good teams and some of the bad teams and Latvia is kind of in the middle, but, you know, the goalies are seeing a lot of shots and there's quite a few goals being scored in a lot of those games. The fact that he's managed to work his save percentage up over 900, again, I think really encouraging. And it sort of is bringing this conversation. Because I wrote about this at the Hockey News. There's a piece up now if you want to check it out just about his tournament so far. He's faced more shots than any goaltender over there. And it does, you know, some of the responses are, you know, is he going to be the backup next year at the NHL level? And okay, we've had this conversation, so we don't need to go deep there. But yeah. I just think every start and every performance, even in a tournament like the World's, he's building a body of work 
to like think about the confidence that he will come to training camp with next year. And, you know, is it going to be as simple as an open battle for the backup? Yeah, maybe. Again, I if it's me, I still think he would benefit from at least half a year, start the season down in Abbotsford, play, play a ton, and just keep refining your game. Because if he is the backup at the NHL level, between with the importance of the Canucks having a good start, if Thatcher Demko's healthy, they're going to ride Demko. They are. Bruce Boudreau did. Travis Green did. Rick Tockett will as well. He did down the stretch. I just don't think there's going to be, I mean, we haven't seen the schedule yet and how many back-to-backs in the early going, but the importance of the Canucks getting off to a good start, they are going to lean on Thatcher Demko as long as he's healthy. And so I just can't imagine that there'll be a ton of starts for the backup, whoever the backup is, in the early going. And then at some point, maybe the schedule levels off a little bit. But yeah, I mean, right now, it's just, as we said, it's an arty party almost every time out over there in Riga. Big win on a Friday going into the weekend. Yeah. I don't know, don't know if it's a long weekend for, I don't know my you know, holidays, <laughs> but they seem to, they don't need much of a reason to party. And so I'm sure they're celebrating another victory. And the fact that this team now uh, with three straight wins has put itself in pretty good spot to be there when the elimination round begins next week. Yeah. Kazakhstan has just one win in the tournament. It was an overtime win. Those are only worth two points. It's three points for a regulation win in this tournament. The NHL should do it as well. That's a whole different discussion. We'll get into that maybe sometime in the summer here. We've got a little (laughs) more time to unpack those sort of things. Canada plays tomorrow against the Swiss. Canada is the top. No, they are. Well, they're tied. No, they're not. They're a point behind the Swiss right now. Right, because of that overtime win. Yeah. 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 So they've got 11 points. Swiss have got 12. So a big one tomorrow. Uh, for Canada, we'll keep our eyes, of course, on that. But just going back to Arthur Seeloff's here, like when you look at the Canucks sort of run of goaltending over the last you know, decade or so, like that's a feather in their cap right now for the Canucks. Not many there anymore, at least since 2011. But they've sort of pivoted from Luongo to Markstrom to Demko now into perhaps even Seeloff's. We'll see exactly what his future entails. But if there is one thing that the Canucks have going for them over the last decade or so, it's in who's in goal. Which is in stark contrast to Brian Burke's goalie graveyard. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, when you came through the West Coast Express era and unfortunately goaltending let them down a little bit. And really it was the health more than anything. Dan Cloutier just couldn't stay healthy. I mean, that was such a, a prominent feature that was, again, brought to mind listening to Scott Rintoul's West Coast Express docu-series yeah. was, you know, people look at the Lidstrom goal from center and yeah, brutal goal. Kluche's got to own that. I mean, just the high stakes of that game in the playoffs. But, you know, that was one goal, but really it was more about health with him that he just, he couldn't stay healthy. And and then ultimately they had to turn to Alex Ald and there was a time there where goaltending was an issue. And yeah, they ran through a bunch of goalies, Sartre Zerbe and Peter Skudra and Johan Hedberg and on and on it goes. But you're right. Like it's been the complete opposite starting with Luongo and you didn't mention Ryan Miller, but Ryan Miller was really yeah, good for the right. three years. Yeah, like Ryan he, yeah. you know, he gave them goaltending when the team was just really bad after that first year. Gave time for Markstrom to develop there, right? Completely. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, include him in that. And then, as you said, on to Markstrom to Demko and, and now, you know, Arthur Shilov is projecting. I mean, just the fact that, you know, a draft pick that's already played in the NHL, 22 years of age, repping his country now and doing a nice job of it. So yeah, goaltending really for the last 15 years has been a strike for the Vancouver Canucks as opposed to the issue that it was for too many years before that. I got an issue with Nick Taylor, my friend. (laughs) As we pivot now to the PGA Championship and the local boys that we picked uh, ahead of this tournament, you have Hadwin, I have Taylor. Taylor's not moving on. 
plus seven for the tourney. The projected line is at plus four right now, unless things go absolutely crazy on the course today. He will not be moving on. And your boy, Adam Hadwin, is right on the cut right now. Yeah. Uh, Through 16, he's four over. So we'll see if Adam Hadwin can make it into the weekend. Right. So I can't do a whole lot of chest thumping here. No, not really. Hadwin, uh, there's two holes to go. And in fact, the conditions, the wind was blowing, the court's playing tougher. So we'll have to wait until the next episode because Hadwin's still on the golf course as we record this. Looks, I mean, if he can just get to the house, he'll finish ahead of Taylor. So I will win. And I'll let you know about that. Sure you uh, but, will. <laughs> but could still go sideways as it did for Nick Taylor. You know, six over or he shot 76 on, on Friday. He put two in the water on the same hole yeah. uh, and had a, a triple. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know if you saw, I saw a PGA Tour or PGA of America, one of the Twitter accounts. Tw- he rolled in what had to have been a 75 foot pot. Like that's. Two in the water is your move. I've not seen you make a 75 foot no, pot. No. So think of beauty. So there was a high in his round, but yeah, unfortunately for Nick Taylor, came in talking about his game, never been better. And it uh, looks like he's going to be slamming the trunk and heading home from Rochester after missing the cut. But there is plenty of uh, Maple Leaf flags up on the yeah. top of the leaderboard. Corey Connors is going to start his second round near the lead. Taylor Penrith, Adam Svensson. We do have a BC boy as we record this. He's early in his round, but in the top 10 right now at even par. So keep an eye on him and we'll see if Adam Hadwin makes it around to the weekend. My first round last year in Ontario, I swear to God, it was somewhere around 75 feet. My buddy, Scott, he can, he can, video. he can, now oh, there was no video. So you'll have to take my word for it. Uh, I've tried that before. That's uh, that's a dicey proposition. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. And joining us now, a very special guest, J-Pat, one of our favorites, Jugpreet Bajwa. Of course, you know him as Juggy, and of course, he is one of the Canucks anthem singers, and he joins us here on Rinkwide. How are you doing today, Juggy? Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Great to be on uh, Rinkwide with you guys. And obviously, uh, I've listened to Jeff for many years, and and you as well, Wadden. I mean, you guys have been uh, phenomenal, so great to be here. I uh, appreciate that. You know that we love you as the anthem singer with the, the Canucks. <laughs> uh, definitely <laughs> one you. of our favorites, but... How did that all come about? Like, how did you get the opportunity to be an anthem singer with the Canucks? Honestly, uh, I mean, it was, I've always wanted to do anthems for the Canucks. And it was, it was a dream come true for me. I just basically uploaded a lot of covers and I was just on Instagram quite a bit, especially back then. And uh, one of the organizers from the Canucks, the entertainment coordinators, Stephen Van Voot, who is, who is amazing to work with. 
he noticed it on Instagram and he basically, I think, yeah. So my first performance was on April 24th. That was the, the COVID shortened season. And I mean, just to see the amazing response from, from all the media, from, from everyone, it was, it was so fantastic. So basically that's how they discovered me. And that's how sort of my Anthem gig started. Of course, you're a huge Canucks fan though, right? I mean, it's hockey is obviously something that you have a passion for. Did you do any other like hot, like any other sports, any other anthems before you got with the Canucks? Um, yeah. So I actually did uh, my first ever sort of sports anthem performance was at the Swangard Stadium. So that's when the Whitecaps used to play at the Swangard, and that was a long time ago. And and so after that, I, I've done a few anthem gigs for. So I was one of the delegates for for Canada. So when they opened the Air Canada flight from Mumbai to Toronto, I was one of the delegates that was invited to sing both the Indian and Canadian national anthems as well. So yeah, I mean, it was definitely for me, though, I think the Canucks was one of the biggest ones for me, just in terms of the the sort of national response and, and from everyone's love and support. So, I mean, for me, that was, I think, a huge feather in, in my cap. Jackie, you and I have gone back and forth on DMs over the years. Like Wadden says, I mean, it's always when I see who's singing the anthem on the game notes, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a good night. But obviously, you're way more than an anthem singer. We see you out there at Rogers Arena, the 18,000 people that are in attendance, people that uh, get a chance to hear on TV or the radio. But but take us back a little bit. Just tell us a little bit about you, your story. I mean, obviously, visual impairment is part of your story. Yep. It doesn't define who you are. But how did you get into music? Just give us a little bit of the backstory. Well, you know, for me, I think... um you know, that's, that's such a great question. And and obviously, you and I have been, you know, interacting for many years, and even during the 1040 days, you know, just going back and (laughs) it's, it's amazing to see, you know, just the the love and support. But, you know, just going back to when I was six months old, I was diagnosed with retinoblastoma eye cancer. So both of my eyes were removed to save my life. And since then, I've been totally blind. So I do wear like prosthetics, basically. And, you know, I, I was born and raised here. I grew up, uh, grew up out in the burbs, out in Delta, and and for me, music has always been that medium to really get my message across. Of, you know, it sounds really cliche, but it's like you know, love and peace, and bringing everyone together from all sorts of backgrounds. So ever since I was a child, I knew that I really wanted to get into music. And you know, at five years old, I started training. You know, six years old, I started my first ever stage show, which was in Squamish, actually, for Canada Day. That was my first ever performance at six years old. And by God's grace, I've I've been able to do thousands of stage shows since then. You know, and then 2016 was a huge break for me as well. So I went to Bombay. I was there for, for quite a while, trying to really explore my career options after I did my Western classical music diploma at Cap University. And I was able to participate in this competition that's equivalent to American Idol, except it's based out of India, and it uh, broadcasted in 165 different countries. So to be a finalist and an NRI, basically a non-resident Indian Canadian to represent Canada and to be on such a huge stage and to make it to the top three out of, you know, 150,000 contestants who auditioned, I mean, it was it was such a huge time for me. So yeah, I think music has definitely been a huge part of me through my struggles, which, 
I wouldn't really consider them struggles necessarily. It's been life experiences and, and all of that. And so I think that that just all came together. And I was able to really, I think from that show, I was able to learn a lot about myself and all the encouragement that I've gotten has, has really been able to propel me towards where I want to get to. All right. So we see you out there, you know, the house lights are on you, the spotlight, it's your moment. You sound great, but you always look great too. Yeah. And I, oh, yeah. I, I need to know <laughs> yeah. that's a big part of all this. Who, who do you lean on yeah. uh, to, to help us out here? Yeah, <laughs> we, we, tips and get a phone number maybe because we can <laughs> use some help. You know what? It's you know what is it's my my whole family. My my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother. They always have a really good say and 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 they've always really been good with with fashion and style. And you know. We pretty much have a music family. Like my brother used to play a lot of Indian drums, like Dole. My my sister and my brother have been dancing for years, and so, and my dad as well. He's he's been always there, just as my manager and stuff too. So I'm I'm so lucky to have the family that I do to to help me, uh, you know, look great on stage. You know, I think that family support and social support is super important. All right, so you got the musical ties. It's a family thing. What about hockey? How did hockey come apart? of your life. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> my brother really started started getting me into hockey. I think, you know, my dad back in and and this was, you know, I really started getting into it in the Naslin Bertuzzi era. I didn't really I would say I was pretty much a casual fan back then. I would consider myself a hockey nerd like if you ask me about <laughs> the bottom 6 of the of the Florida Panthers or the or the Lightning and and all of those people like I would probably probably name some of their prospects too it's kind of crazy like my family always laughs at me about it because they're like do you do you know more about music now or or hockey right but uh <laughs> you know they they um yeah so they they started watching hockey then i i didn't really start getting into it as as a as a super fan until the 2010 11 cup run you know just just seeing what the sedines and kessler and bxa did for this city, you know, Roberto Luongo, like there's so many amazing names on that team. And that really drew me to the Canucks at first, and then hockey in general, and just to see how the game has evolved from, from then to now, like, I, I think I've just been falling in love with it even more and more each year. How do, how do you consume the game? Just give us a sense of like, ultimately, how, how do you go about consuming the amount of hockey that clearly you do? Um, Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's a phenomenal question. I think for me, I really rely on the commentating i think you know shorty and cheech obviously we're gonna really miss cheech next year but you know just the, just the way they describe the game you look at bachelor and and janda on the radio and and i think the commentating and the play-by-play and that's why i think hockey is one of the most accessible sports in that way because of the way it's described and because of the way that the play always develops and you got to be so quick like i i admire people who can who can really call games because it's a lot, right? You gotta, you gotta, you know, know who's carrying the puck on their stick, who are they, who are they passing to, and and it all develops so quick. So yeah, for me, I think that was a huge part. And then you know, I've I've admired the the sort of commentating around the league, and so that's what really drew me to it. And then just going to the live games, um, I sometimes I'll listen to the commentating there too. But for me, it just taking in the atmosphere and the crowd and the energy like it's it's amazing to see just the the ebbs and flows of the crowd and 
you know, all of that just mixed in together is is so amazing. And I think I just rely on a lot of my hearing for that, you know, so it's it's great. That's that was my next question, really, just you, with your senses being so heightened, like when you're at a live game like that, it just must be such a different experience for you, at least than being, you know, watching it or on TV, have some the commentators describe it to you on TV. I was curious about that. Like when you're in the rink, do you like to have that feel of the crowd to sort of tell you exactly what's going on with the game? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's one of the best parts of of being at the rink yeah. is is to be around the crowd and and like I said, the ebbs and flows. So I I definitely enjoy it for sure. All right, Mister Mister uh, so called hockey nerd here. I just want to jump yeah. in. Uh, <laughs> how, how do the Canucks get out of this cap crunch? Oh, oh here, we, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Put your GM hat on now, Juggy. <laughs> Rebuild down to the studs. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we could have that argument for years, couldn't we? You know, I listen. I maybe I'm an optimist, but I really think that we've we've got a good start here with Pedersen and Hughes and Demko, and obviously, I think these next couple of years for the Canucks are going to be huge. You know, just. What is their process going to be like? Is Rick Tockett going to be able to get the best out of everyone on this roster? And obviously, we, you know, we we talk about the blue line and, you know, how is that going to be revamped? And I think this offseason is going to be really interesting in terms of that. And the, the cap crunch is, is so real. And it's 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 definitely going to be really interesting to see how they can get out of some of the contracts on the books. And I know that they're not really privy to, to using buyouts and, and they're not a huge fan, right? So, you know, in, in terms of that, you know, what are the sweeteners going to be like? I mean, as a Canucks fan, it's it's an exciting time, but it's also a nerve-wracking time, you know, and <laughs> and yeah. um, I think this could go any of both ways, right? And 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 just to see Bedard going to Chicago, I mean, come on, <laughs> I can't, I can't <laughs> wrap my head around that. But, you know, I... Listen, at the end of the day, I think we do have a good starting core here. It's can we surround the pieces that are necessary to take that next step? And ultimately, could we make it a contending level roster? Probably not next year, but, you know, hopefully in the next few years. Is is that where we can translate? And if it doesn't, well, you know, you know where we go from there. <laughs> so. Well, Juggy, saw you working out at the Abbotsford Canucks game. So you got to do a playoff game yeah. this year. What other projects do you got going on as yeah, well? Yeah, so this is an amazing, uh, amazing project that I'm coming out with with a friend of mine. Her name is Justine. She is from Alberta, and we're doing this project called Tonal Vision. And we're both blind. So basically, Tonal Vision really started last year because we've been best friends for a long time. But it was always like, you know, we're both connected to sports and we're, we both love our hockey. I mean, she's an Oilers fan. We don't we don't really talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do respect McDavid and Dreisaitl, I will say I think those guys are are the LeBron James. They're and pretty the good, those guys. Hockey. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I I do think that uh, with Tonal Vision, we we again want to want to spread that message of bringing everyone together through our music. You know, Justine really has a lot of connections to to hockey in general. Her brother played for the Humboldt Broncos, and unfortunately, he was involved in the in the bus crash and 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 didn't make it and so i think we we have such a story to tell from our experiences from our life experiences through our music and we're releasing our first single on july 7th so i would definitely say to to people to to look out for it 
you can follow me on Twitter at Juggy Jag. So J-U-G-G-Y-J-A-G. And we'll be definitely launching Tonal Vision here and and getting our single released on, on July 7th. I think um, we're really excited to share our music with everyone and, you know, to to, to be a part of the hockey community and, and bring that all together. I think it's so special. Well, Juggy, thanks for joining and uh, good luck with everything moving forward. And we'll be seeing you down at the rink and hearing you down at the rink. Looking forward to that this coming season. Thank you so much, guys. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. The Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog. Free casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. It's time to play. We'll get to my Bodog best bet in just a moment here. A little playoff talk as well. But just unpack that on Juggy. I mean, what a fantastic you know, story that he has. The fact he's so talented as a musician as well. Such a passionate hockey fan. I know that you know this, J-Pat, and I didn't really want to say it to him, but he does an American anthem like nobody else. Like, he kills it with the Canada anthem, but man, does he do, do the, the U.S. anthem so well. Just a pleasure to have Juggy on the show. So you're putting the Star Static Spangled Banner on the top of Juggy's power rankings of the anthems? I am. I am. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. He does Canada fantastic, but yeah. boy. Uh, it's just so good to get him on. Like, again, yeah. like, I've watched him, have marveled at his singing ability but also and as he said like he used to be a caller at 1040 at that point i didn't know sort of his backstory or who he was going to become he was just a passionate hockey fan and like, just stop and think about that for a second like he hasn't seen a second of hockey action in his life and to be that passionate and that yeah. knowledgeable is incredible uh yes. so yeah and that's a cool project uh we should mention as well Stephen wack was a defenseman on the Humboldt Broncos. That's Justine's brother. So uh, incredible, just all these sort of connections that he has to hockey and the way hockey has played a role in his life and and does again here. But uh, branching out a little. So yeah, we'll look forward to, to Juggy and Justine's new project here in the uh, weeks ahead. Let's get to some playoff talk, which of course is presented by our buddy Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. Yeah, a long weekend. Buying a house could be a long project or a long process but you know with the help of a guy like jason Dominic, he can tighten it up a little bit uh, certainly he's got answers if you've got questions and who wouldn't have questions if you're going into the housing market there's just so much uh, yeah. to wrap your head around so uh, you want a pro on your side that's what jason Dominic is he's been saving rink-wide listeners thousands and thousands of dollars so hopefully that catches your attention because who wouldn't want to save thousands of dollars but yeah i mean it's it's an eventful time. The market uh, seems to be heating up. So uh, if we're talking to you and you're looking for a mortgage expert that can help you through this, I don't want to say ordeal, although it can be, but with Jason Dominic, it'll be a whole lot smoother for you. So reach out, easy to find, jason.mortgage is the website and all the contact info is there. You think Jason stayed up for all those overtimes last I night? Do. Oh, I do. I think he does too. He's a passionate hockey fan, just like yeah. Juggy. Four OTs. Well, did I see you tweeting something about shootout last night? Well, by the time the Come third on. overtime ended, like honestly, 
and I think this was a case again last night. Now the goaltending was incredible. It was insane. Incredible. Like, like, yes. So I grew in great enjoyment out of watching Bob and Freddie Anderson do their thing. But I always find like the first overtime, the stakes are so high. You're on the edge of your seat. It's incredible. And then I, and you never know when one of these is going to turn into a marathon. But in hindsight, I, when you do look back after these marathon OTs, generally I find second and third teams start to get cautious. They don't want to make the mistake. They don't want to take a penalty. And the game does sort of bog down a little. Now, Florida thought they got hosed on the goaltender interference, thought they had won. Paul Maurice just going off. Well, um, where were you on that? Because to me, I, like, I'm from the goalie union. That wasn't goalie interference to me. He was able to push off with his right leg. Like, there really wasn't any. There was, they, clipped, a, they clipped a little bit. I guess it depends where you draw the line. Like he, Colin White enters the blue paint on his own. And so if that's kind of where the process starts, anything that happens after that guy goes into the blue paint on his own. But like I kind of thought Bobrovsky, there was contact or Anderson, there was contact. But then, as you said, he pushed off to his right. Yeah. There was nobody stopping him getting yeah. back to his left. I think at first glance, I kind of thought that goal should have stood, but it didn't. And so they played on and on and on some more. And yeah, I was getting a little punch drunk, I think. And I was starting to come up with ideas that, I thought maybe you could. I was trying. It was public service. I was just sitting there with my phone, thinking of ways that Didn't you call that public service. The shootout it, doesn't serve anybody. All right. Well, the shootout was sort of lowest on my list because then I came up with some other ideas. I thought I kind of like this one actually. It'll never happen, but I was just trying to think like how could you introduce more scoring opportunities without really bastardizing the game? And I came up with the idea that you know after the third overtime, if you ice the puck. You have to start with a skater on the bench for now, the defensive zone faceoff. Get hokey now. Come on. I, again, this is never going to happen, but <laughs> it would like be creating a mini power play. And then you'd have a guy like hop over just the board and race to get back in the defensive <laughs> yeah, yeah, zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for the faceoff, I was just trying, like, how could we create more offense? And so, you know, then I started to think, well, get shittier goaltenders. That's what it is. I mean, well, that was one of my playing. suggestions too, yeah. that you add an extra player to both teams on the ice and they can both have a laser pointer and just aim it at the goalies. I got to the point where I thought maybe introducing Peter Stastny and Keith Kachuk for their sons, <laughs> you know, might slow the game down, create some turnovers. Who knows? Were you and, drinking last night with this stuff? <laughs> no, no. But it's amazing that like, Matthew Kachuk was remarkably quiet in the Toronto series. Yep. And I thought for six and a half periods last night was awfully quiet too. But all it takes is that moment. And what a, like, truly a, a walk-off or a skate-off. I love the celebration. He's like, he just get me out of here. Right out. Yeah, he, the doors opened, and I'll he went right it. through it. Yeah. You know where to find me. I'll be in the locker room. I'm out like of here. Like that Bo Jackson one when he ran. Was like, just <laughs> kind of. running. <laughs> kind of was. The kingdom. You're yeah. right about Kachuk, though. He hadn't scored since game six against Boston. Yeah. And, yeah, he was. I don't want to say non-factor in the Toronto series, because clearly he's a factor anytime he really steps on the ice. And he's picked up I mean, a few points along yeah, the way, but, yeah. but you know, he's such a pain in the ass to play against. He's generally after every whistle, and I just didn't notice him. Like, honestly, at times I was looking, is he still in this game? Is he hurt? Is he, uh, and, you know, we talked about it last night, like Florida knew that they had to get a win on the road in this series, and so they've got a leg up, yeah. but, I mean, how, if you're Carolina, you just got to hope you got enough energy and reserve, and that you just Parked that one like you know you were there you were a shot away you had your chances didn't happen for you uh, and it's gonna be interesting i know they talked about it uh, post game briefly on hockey night was you know goaltending decisions now as good as both those guys were i mean that's basically playing two games worth 
if you're Florida, I wonder, as good as Bob has been, you've kind of got the luxury. You've got your split guaranteed now. Like, could you rest Bob and go with Alex Lyon in game two, knowing the worst you can do is go home 1-1? But Alex Lyon got them a win against Boston. So it's not, you know, it's not like you would be bringing in mm. some guy like, you know, the Zamboni yeah. driver. Hey, he's 1-0. Yeah. So <laughs> I do wonder, like, I Again, that workload is insane for for goaltending. And uh, well, check this out. Did you see that stat about last night with Bobrovsky? Because it ties into the Canucks. The, uh, the goal uh, save above yeah. expected from Evolving Hockey. Bobrovsky saves second most goals above expected in a playoff game at five point three four last night. The top, of course, was Bubble Demko. Bubble Demko six point zero five in a single game for. Thatcher Demko. And I mean, everybody remembers the bubble Demko. They still keep bringing it up. So an incredible performance, but man, like has goalie Bob completely turned a corner. He's starting to earn that contract. Took him a while. It's wild. Like I can't think of a redemption arc like this in the playoffs. Like we've seen guys from season to season bounce back from a crappy year, but yeah, I mean, he was a punchline. He was the laughing stock that contract, and he's now one of the biggest anchors in the league. Yeah. <laughs> he's underpaid. He needs a raise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, I won't go that far. But no, I mean, clearly that Florida team is feeding off the confidence that it has in in its goaltending. And look, they got a leg up. We'll see if there is sort of an emotional letdown for Carolina. How do they respond? As I said, they got to have a short memory at playoff time. They don't want to go in a O two hole. So. Yeah. Now it's uh, pressure on, and then uh, tonight we get Vegas and Dallas. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that series. I just there's a lot to like, a lot of storylines there. So I consumed a lot of hockey because I stuck with it and ready to do it again here on this Friday night. Although I don't know that I need four overtimes. Yeah, that was my my best bet. I missed it yesterday. I thought the Canes were going to win by two or more last night. So I had them on the puck line. I just I felt like the Canes were going to get in there. We we explained it all yep. yesterday. I got VGK on the money line tonight. It's basically a pick them. They're at minus one twenty five. So you got to put down a little bit of money to make some. But I like VGK to open up the series with a W. Before we get out of here and enjoy our long weekends, mm-hmm. the Toronto Maple Leafs making a massive move on a Friday, no less. A bit of a Friday long weekend news dump. As we record this, uh, Brendan Shanahan has not met with the media just yet, but they got rid of Kyle Dubas. Uh, they're parting ways with Kyle Dubas, whose contract uh, ran, runs out on June 30th. Surprise to you. I mean, I, I'm sure our, our colleagues over at Rinkwide Toronto are scrambling today, but I don't know about you, but to me, it came as quite a surprise because I thought for sure they would keep the GM, but uh, I didn't think the head coach was going to survive. Yeah, I mean, it's a surprise because they won a playoff round. <laughs> that qualifies as what 11 points this year like and not just this year i mean yeah. he's put together really really good team that you know hasn't obviously done much in the playoffs but if you're talking about team building and putting the pieces together for regular seasons at the very least uh, yeah but i mean certainly there were some hints and some clues there at his season ending address and you know the toll that it taken on his family and you could see sort of how wound up he was getting into it with fans at some of the recent games like you know this is high stakes like this isn't fun and games, even though it is a game, ultimately, we're talking about, you know, whether we like it in Vancouver, they are, you know, sort of the biggest um, and certainly most heavily covered team in the National Hockey League. So there's pressure, there are stakes, and um, it looked like a path was there for them when Boston was cleared out. And so uh, there was disappointment. Yeah, fascinating to see, because he said if it wasn't Toronto that, you know, he didn't want to go anywhere else. Uh, I'll be curious to see. Yeah. His phone's likely to ring. There'd be a swap in Calgary? Like, could yeah. be, you know? Well, possibly. Yeah. Um, you know, look, and I was among those that wondered, like the wonder kid when he was hired and all that kind of stuff. But clearly this guy 
He gets it. He's a smart guy. He's assembled a good staff around him. There'll be another act or two, certainly, whether it's for next season or whether he does want to step back. I'm sure financially he could get through a hockey season and be all right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've seen people talk about, wouldn't it be rich if he goes to Ottawa? And, you know, as far as I know, Pierre Dorian is still in charge there. But, you know, is Kyle Dubas the kind of candidate? We see this with other, you know, with coaches where a coach of note will come available and teams think we better act and, and snap him up. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But is there a team that thinks, hey, this is a guy that, you know, we should have on board? Interesting, too, I thought at a lesser degree was the house cleaning of their AHL team. So NHL GM goes, NHL head coach stays for now, but we all know how that math works. When a new GM comes in, he generally wants his own coach. So if I'm Sheldon Keefe looking over my shoulder, but then they got rid of the AHL staff as well. I would think that head coach of the Toronto Marlies as AHL positions go would be highly sought after. And so, you know, the NHL coaching carousel is spinning around here but I wonder, and I don't know anything I haven't touched base with him in a while, but like at some point, is Travis Green getting back into professional hockey coaching? And, and would he go there? Yeah. I, well, I just, yeah. I, I don't want to try to start anything, but I, is he going to get another NHL job or is he going to have to take a step back? And if it's the AHL, like that would seem like a pretty plum assignment in a big city with, you know, all the resources and all that kind of stuff. Well, so he played there in his playing days, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. But again, I'm spitballing in a huge way, but I am curious just to see where it goes from here for a guy like Travis Green. But there are other coaching candidates that are out there for the NHL openings. So, yeah, I guess it's that time of the year. And, you know, the draft isn't all that far away really now. I mean, we're just basically over a month from the draft. So if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you've still got all your scouting. You've got assistant GMs in place. But how quickly do they want to fill the general manager's position there, I guess Shanahan will probably provide a little bit more insight when he meets the media. All right. We reached our quota of leaf talk now. We're moving sure. on because yeah. it's sun is shining and we are going to enjoy it this long weekend. Uh, we'll be back with you guys on Tuesday. So yes. Yes. Even your rink wide hosts are taking yes. and making the most of a long, a long weekend. So looking forward to it. We get through that. You know, then the countdown truly is on to the draft. We'll start uh, focusing a little bit more on that. As we work our way to Nashville, not that we're going to Nashville, but the draft. I know. Oh. I know. Sponsor? Hello? Anybody? Anyone? Company out yep. there that wants to? I'll drink beer out of a catfish. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I will do it. I might do that this weekend, in fact. All right. This is <laughs> many thanks, that is, to uh, Jug Bajwa for joining us as well. Juggy. Love that guy. All right. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast, presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wad. Remember, Rinkwide is the show. Put on this